Alrighty, I'm here with Jeffrey Potts, aka Bungles the Clown. Today we're going to talk to you about clowning because, you know, I think some people during this pandemic really just need a good laugh, a good source of entertainment. You know, people are cooked up at home and just looking for any excuse they can to just get out there or do something fun. You know, and what better way than clowning? So you go by Bungles the Clown. The clown you go correct? by Bungles the Clown, that is correct. Hey, right. how'd you come up with your name? How did I come up with the name? You know, it's nothing, you know, big and glamorous. I literally, um, when I was 13 years old, that's when I started clowning. I uh, knew I, I wanted a name for my clown. And uh, so I went to the thesaurus and I knew clowns when they performed, they messed things up. So I kind of went to the thesaurus and looked for uh, other words for messing up. And there was bungle. And I'm like, Bungle, Bungle, Bungles. Bungles would work better. Bungles. And that's why I got my name. Just that easy. Nice. <laughs> nice. So what, if you don't mind asking, what inspired you to be a clown? What inspired me to be a clown? Well, um, I've been clowning since I was 13 years old. Previous to that, I've been uh, puppeteering since I was nine. And in between those nine and 13-year-old ages, um, I was really into uh, Hollywood special effects. Um, I would, I would create characters, uh, with makeup and prosthetics. Um, I would create scenes. I would create props. Um, you know, Star Wars came out in the, in the late seventies and, and just really, um, took, uh, the Hollywood special effects, uh, era, um, by storm and, and change the way things were looking. At the same time, uh, Don Post and Rick Baker, uh, they were doing all the, the makeup stuff. And it was just one of those things that, uh, you know, I'd watch Saturday, um, Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, you know, uh, along with your Abbott and Costellos. Um, so I, I'd watch all these B-rated movies, you know, The Martians from from Planet Z and whatever, you know, I don't even know if that's a real movie, but, um, but yeah, so I'd watch all those things on Friday and Saturday night. I mean, that was my life. And so to recreate that stuff uh, was what I did. Well, playing all these different characters um, kind of was my thing. And I would create other characters. And um, so one day in my teens um, at church, uh, we had a, uh, a carnival at, at our church, and uh, there was a clown at the carnival. And uh, the clown was passing out candy and balloons, and and uh, you know it was it was kind of neat. You know, I hadn't seen that before. I, that was my first time really seeing a, a clown. And um, so after the carnival, I went to my grandmother's house. Now my grandmother lived two doors down from the the church. And so when I went down to my grandmother's house, I walked in the door and uh, there hanging on the chair was the clown suit from the clown I had just seen. And I'm like, wait a minute. Grandma, was was that you up there dressed in clown? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, that is so cool. You know, I, I never knew. And she wasn't a clown. She just rented a clown costume. Uh, so that there was a clown available for that carnival. So she would rent the costume. Uh, she had the 
Candy donated. She worked at Kmart at the time, and so and she was kind of higher up. and And Kmart, you know, donated the money to the or the candy to the church, and the balloons and stuff. So I, I said to her, I said, "Well, hey, Grandma, I would love to do that with you." And she goes, "Okay, well, next year I'll rent two costumes and we'll both go up." And that's what she did. So uh, I I got a chance to portray another character. Now at this time, all I'm doing is portraying a character. You know, just like putting on makeup to be uh, Dracula or the Wolfman or or whatever character, you know, Charlie Chaplin, Groucho Marx, you know, whatever, whatever character I was playing. We're just I was just playing those characters. And so I uh, I got the opportunity to perform alongside my grandmother. But the even cooler thing was. The people I were I was entertaining and interacting with were my peers. All of my friends were there, you know, enjoying the clowns, and they did not know it was me. They thought I wasn't at the carnival that day because I had gotten sick or, you know, or something of that sort. So I'm, I am, you know, entertaining my peers. And, I, you know, I didn't talk, you know, but I interacted. And I had so much fun with that interaction. And um, so then I'm leaving the event. And I'm walking down to my grandmother's again. And um, for some reason, uh, my grandma lived on the same side as, as the church. So I didn't have to cross the street. But for some reason, I was crossing the street here. I don't know if there was a ball across the street. Uh, and I was just going over to get it. You know, I got kicked over from the church or whatever. I can't, I really can't remember. I've tried to remember and I can't. But I had to cross the street and it was a busy street. And, uh, and the street um, came to a big hill. So the church sat right on that hill. So traffic coming up and traffic going down, you know, it was kind of, you know, kind of a bad street, uh, bad street. And so, but I, and I wanted to get that ball back to where it belonged. And if that's what I was actually doing, I think it's what it was, but I'm not sure. So anyhow, I go to cross the street and there's traffic coming. So I hold up my hand. And I stopped the traffic. They stopped. They waved me on. And I'm like, whoa, nobody ever stops for anybody. They just keep driving, especially on this road. And I got the thing and they waved me back across. And it's like, wow, I felt like I had some power there. And uh, and that, that was kind of that kind of intrigued me. So went back down to grandma's, you know, got rid of the costume and stuff. And then, uh, you know, um, that, this was uh, like uh, right before summer. So once um, once summer happened, uh, I went to the library, you know, because, you know, in the summer, what else are you going to do? You go to the mall, go play in the woods, um, had an opportunity to go to the library. And it's like, you know what? I want to look up some books on clowning. And there were none. There was nothing. And the only the only information I had on being a clown was in a couple of theatrical books and how to put on some makeup, which was theatrical makeup, um, but nothing performing a clown. There, there were some books on magic. Um, there weren't any books on balloon making. There wasn't any books on on juggling. Only, only magic was the and uh, and and doing the makeup. So I kind of became intrigued with the fact that there wasn't any information on being a clown. So I made it my goal to find out why there wasn't any information. 
And now you, you got to remember, this is before the internet. So we never, we didn't have internet. So you couldn't just, you know, punch it into Google and, and, and stuff. So, <laughs> so we're, 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 we're like in this, uh, uh, mindset of, well, how do I find this information out? And I was at a loss. I didn't know what to do. I, I visited a couple other libraries, still nothing. And, uh, so I didn't know what to do. And it's like, you know, I really like this clown thing. So maybe I'll just study it a little bit more. And, and so I started watching the three stooges, which I had already watched anyway, but now I was watching it in a, in a new frame of mind. I watched Laurel and Hardy. I watched the Bowery boys. I watched, uh, you know, um, who else? All the Marx brothers, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm watching all these, these, these people and I'm watching it in a whole new mindset because I considered them clowns. They didn't have the red nose and everything. Okay. But they, they were clowns in the meantime, Captain Kangaroo. I don't know if you know, Captain Kangaroo, Nick, uh, but Bob Keeshan, Bob Keeshan started out before he was Captain Kangaroo. He was Clarabelle clown on the howdy duty show. And so uh, I would watch a couple of episodes of, of Howdy Doody, and there's there's this clown. Then Bob Keeshan took clown over to Captain Kangaroo with the town clown, and I'm like, wow, okay, so where is this coming from? Why how, why can't I find anything on being a clown? This is driving me insane. Um, and eventually, my grandmother came across in the newspaper some uh, it said um, something about some clown classes. And they were being taught by a Ringling Brothers clown. And my grandma was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to sign you up for this. And so I went, and it was a weekend thing, and I was all excited. And I, I to this day, can't remember who the instructor was. You know, I was a kid. I wasn't, I wasn't worried about, you know, knowing who people were at this time. I just mm -hmm. wanted to learn this art form. And uh, I had my one-piece jumpsuit, you know, and um, with the big – uh, puffy balls on it and my my big clown hat you know what what you would normally think of a clown and uh and so i had that stuff packed and while we're going through the class the instructor talks about wardrobe he says okay did you guys bring wardrobe and i'm like yeah 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 so i get my wardrobe out and he used my wardrobe as an example this is great all right. He's using my wardrobe as an example. And it was an example of what not to wear. <laughs> and uh, and so he explained a little bit more about the tradition of clowning and how it's passed down in this um, through circus entertainers, you know, circus clowns to the next generations. And that's why I wasn't finding anything it was because it was a contained art form, uh, a, a personal and private art form. Um, and the reason was because during the, you know, the, the, the Depression area, the, the 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, 60s, this is how they, they made a living. And so if you divulge too much information, somebody else would steal your information and they would land the jobs that you would have got. And now you don't have any money to feed your family or anything. So it was really tight knit and secret. And, uh, and so learning that, I had a new appreciation for why I couldn't find anything. So I knew I wasn't going to find anything uh, unless I knew a circus clown, and I didn't know any circus clowns. So, but I had gotten enough out of that class to understand that 
a clown is an extension of yourself. And it's an exaggeration of, of you uh, as a character. And uh, we all have that opportunity, but it's not predominant in, in most people. And, uh, and so to find it is, is not natural for people. But for me, already doing this character thing, it was pretty natural for me to dive into myself and figure out, well, what am I? Who am I? And, uh, and so, I, again, I went back to studying uh, some of the old, uh, you know, um, the old characters, like I said, the Three Stooges and, and those guys. So I, I studied them even more and still had nothing, you know, other than that to be a clown. Um, I, I developed some wardrobe. I did some makeup. And when I go back and look at it, so I'm like, well, here, I got a picture right here of me in some of my first makeup. I'm intrigued by this. I want to see this picture. <laughs> so that's me in my first makeup. <clears throat> and uh, and see how I'm, I'm wearing like a, a, a jacket and just a funny shirt and a tie. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's what I had learned from this guy from Ringling. You know, you want to have wardrobe that is that is more normal yeah uh, but exaggerated and so that was my first makeup and i was doing that makeup and i was i had done a few parties for some friends and uh and family and um uh then while i'm at school um there were people that knew that i was interested in this and um so i had one girl who had made this pair of pants uh and it had a hoop in it you know, to be the big, you know, pants with the suspenders with a hoop in it. And she had given them to me. She said, I thought you would like these. Um, you know, I'd made them for a parade, you know, uh, some time ago. And now this is a girl I'm going to school with. So she's a, a teenager and she had made these pants, but she had given them to me. And um, but but they they knew that this is what I was pursuing. They knew it was me. I was always the class clown in school. Um, I. I learned to not be bullied by befriending all the jocks and the and the and the, and the, the druggies and and all that those groups of those cliques that that most people aren't a part of the the but they are um, intimidating to you and and of course then they do some things that you know that aren't proper uh, you know stuffing you in a trash can pushing you in a locker. You know, all those kind of things, tripping you in the hallway while you're carrying a stack of books. Well, I was able to avoid being bullied because I would make these guys laugh. And so I would tell jokes or I would do stuff um, to myself um, in, in the name of comedy, you know, open a locker and smack my nose and, you know, be like, uh, you know, and, and they'd get a, a laugh on it. And so they, oh, we like you, Potch, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hang, keep you around, you know, type of thing. So I never got bullied, but I always had to be on. I always had to make sure they were entertained. <laughs> so, but <clears throat> that helped me to learn to work with audiences. Um, um, but in a, somewhere in the back of their minds, they knew that this is who and what I will, was and, and what I was becoming. And uh, I never took any flack for uh, wanting to be uh, a, a clown. And, uh, and so that's how I kind of got started. <clears throat> but there's more to the story if you want to hear. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, um, I, it's graduation time in high school. And uh, it's time to 
experience real life. So uh, I, I got to get a job. I want to get married. I want to have kids. Uh, it's, it's time to put this clown thing. You know, I'm a kid and well, now I got real responsibilities. So I put that to the side. I graduated in uh, 1987 and <clears throat> it wasn't until 1991 while I was at work on my lunch break, looking at the newspaper, when I opened up the newspaper and down in the corner, the ad said, clown classes to begin. And man, that just caught my attention. And then they were being taught by a graduate of Ringling Clown College. And then I'm like, oh yes, it's this again. This It's somebody who has experience. It's not some theater, you know, doing clown classes. So I jumped on it. And, um, and that was it, man. I mean, I just ran with it from there. I started making connections in the world of clowning, uh, old circus clowns, uh, new circus clowns, uh, clowns that had been circus clowns and then took the clowning art form, um, into, uh, their hometowns and became hometown clowns, um, clowns who were performing, uh, in Disney, uh, in Las Vegas, you know, on Broadway. And I mean, I was just making all these connections and I mean, it was just snowballing. And, and my wife, I can remember when I said, Hey honey, I want to, I want to take these clown classes. Well, we were newlyweds and, uh, you know, the, and she's like, yeah, whatever you want to do, honey, that's okay. You know, <laughs> that that would snowball. And so, yeah, it snowballed. And uh, I had, I found out there were clown conventions and places where you could go to learn um, because some of these circus clowns had come off the road. And, uh, and so in order to make a living, they would, you know, go to these conventions and they would sell, you know, custom props that they would build. Uh, they would sell makeup. I mean, I didn't know where to get makeup. You know, we had a local you know, theatrical store and I would find makeup. But now I'm finding the professional makeup that the clowns use in the circus and and wigs and and that kind of stuff and, and noses, you know. And uh, so. So, yeah, so I just started making all these connections and it, and it grew from there. Nice. Now, one thing I noticed you mentioned a lot was when you were growing up, clowning was a very like condensed art, like it wasn't. Just something you could go, like you said, down to the local library, pick up a book on how to be a clown, and you know, there you went. It felt like it was like taught by a select group, right? Um, one of those groups I know today. I know it's developed throughout the days. One of the groups I know is something that you were recently involved in, the American Clown Academy. The American Clown Academy, yes. Yeah. So explain what that is to our viewers. Okay. So. Well, we have to back up before we can get to the American Clown yeah, Academy yeah. so that you understand about it. So Absolutely. as I'm growing as a clown, okay, uh, I find out that there's not only are these these, these con clown conventions where you can learn, but um, some of the clowns, uh, they were doing clown camps where you would go for a week and stay at a camp and, and you would learn and be, I mean, everybody loves going to camp when they're a kid. You know, so imagine going to camp as an adult, you know, and, and when you're playing as a clown, it's it's play. When you're working as a clown, it's play. It's a, it's play work. And uh, so imagine going to camp, you know, and uh, so <clears throat> but <clears throat> I really didn't understand how these camps were working. And uh, yeah, I would see them in the magazines and that kind of stuff. 
And uh, but most of I was learning from the magazines. Uh, there were I joined the uh, Clowns of America International and uh, World Clown Association, which are two big organizations uh, that that cater to the art form of clown. And um, and also um, through that, I found like Laugh Makers magazine, which was geared to variety artists. Uh, which included ventriloquists and and magicians and puppeteers and and balloon artists and jugglers. I mean, it, it just catered to all these variety arts. And so I've got all this information. So I wasn't really worried about this camp thing. You know, I was getting enough enough learning. Plus, I'm still working a regular job while I'm doing this. You know, and uh, so I'm I'm trying to learn all this stuff and work a regular job at the same time. Um, but the only way that you can um, hone your skills is to actually put what you're learning into practice. So I would book gigs and I worked uh, swing shifts in the steel mill, which meant I was available during the day. Uh, I had days off during the week because sometimes I work weekends. Um, so I had, I had all these opportunities to work in libraries and to work in schools and to work um, at, at festivals in the summer and uh, and still uh, go to work in the steel mill. And so I was a double timer. I worked, I basically worked full time, both uh, in the steel mill and outside of the steel mill. Um, and the other thing that I had, uh, had done was I had started a family. And uh, so now I'm working two jobs, two full-time jobs, and I don't want to take away from my family. And so I started involving my family and all three of my boys performed with me for many, many, many years. And um, I can honestly say that my boys uh, at very young ages of, of four, uh, six, eight, 10, 12, as they were growing, were some of the most professional clowns uh, out there in the world of clowning. And um, they were very impressive and they knew the art form in and out. Um, and, and, even as kids, they were they were taking it serious because dad was taking it serious. My wife, uh, she's very crafty and, and would make our wardrobes, uh, our backdrops, all that kind of stuff. So the whole family was involved uh, when we would go on vacation. It was always a working vacation. Um, we would go to Disney World, but we would go to Disney World and look at how, you know, they were entertaining people. And we would take notes and we would, you know, yeah, we had some fun riding the rides and stuff, but it was a working vacation, you know, um, and we would we would take those things and, and we would visit other places uh, where there was performance stuff happening. And so that was our life. <clears throat> um, eventually, this clown convention, there was a clown convention in, in Newark, Ohio, that ran for uh, 25 plus years. And uh, it was called Clown Town. And I got to know uh, the owners of Clown Town. And um, I was even asked to teach at Clown Town because I was really working my way up the ladder. And, and I was, you know, making connections and learning things that a lot of uh, people hadn't taken the opportunity to do or had the opportunity to do. <clears throat> and so I had the opportunity to share that information uh, with folks. And so um, I started um, developing my style of, of performing and mixing it with teaching. And, um, and so I, I changed my mindset 
in and in, in how I presented in libraries and how I presented in schools. And I became what we call in the industry an edutainer. Um, that is somebody who educates and entertains at the same time. And uh, and so that's what I would do. And uh, so the education part of clowning um, really became um, something that I did and that was special to me. And yeah, maybe it came from the fact that when I first started, there was nothing and I had to learn it all. And I didn't want people to, to have to, to deal with that same kind of thing. I wanted them to have the information. Um, and uh, and so so that's that's what I started doing. Well, I, I then um, some of the uh, well-known uh, clowns that I had met at, at Clown Town um, were performing at other clown conventions, um, uh, the SICA convention, Southeast Clown Association, uh, MACA, Mid-Atlantic uh, Clown Association over in Pennsylvania. Um, there were uh, there was Pony, uh, which was uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York. Um, and they would do stuff in Cleveland and, and that kind of stuff. So there were, there were other conventions and I started getting asked to teach at these other conventions. Uh, and I was recommended by some of the other performers uh, slash teachers who I had met at the convention. So as I'm doing this, um, there's a very famous uh, circus clown by the name of Leon McBride. And he's well known in the industry for making clown noses. A uh, very big, tall guy. He was uh, what they call an advanced clown with Ringling Brothers. And he would uh, go ahead of the circus and um, and promote it and say, hey, the circus is coming to town. And, and he would do performances and stuff. And he was a big, you know, six foot uh, five uh, giant of a man. You know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but such a gentle spirit, you know, and 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 he. And when he got made up in clown, he was just like a giant kid. And it was, it was the most amazing thing to watch. Well, uh, Leon uh, used to have one of these clown camps that I had told you about that I'd seen in the magazines. And they hadn't run for years. And he was, uh, some of his friends uh, in, the, in the industry talked him into do another, another set of, of the advanced studies. And um, they saw me lecture uh, at the Sika convention, and he was standing in the back of the room. I knew who he was, and uh, standing back in the back of the room to try, I think, to try to intimidate me, you know, to see how I would handle the pressure of, of presenting uh, you know, my lecture. <clears throat> and it didn't affect me. I just did what I knew to do. And afterward, he said, listen, I'm, uh, I'm starting this camp up. I don't know if you've heard it before. It's advanced studies. And uh, I'm personally inviting you. Every, everybody coming to the camp is all on personal invite. <clears throat> and I would like you to come. Um, and then another friend of mine, uh, JT Sykes, Bubba, uh, out of Florida. Uh, now he's in the Carolinas. But um, um, he was the one. He was kind of a mentor for me from Clown Town uh, and landed me, actually, the gig at Sika uh, to, to lecture where Leon met me. And, um, and Bubba's like, listen, Potts. This camp, when I went years ago, was the springboard to my career. This was it. This is as close as you're ever going to get to going to the esteemed Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Clown College, and we can we'll talk about that in a little bit. The Clown College. Um, so, um, I was excited. Uh, I also um, had become known uh, in this clown world for creating props. 
and I created um, a foam pie shell that you would use for pie throwing. And because it was made of foam, it didn't hurt. Uh, anybody that's ever done pie, pie throwing, listen, don't ever use an aluminum pie pan uh, or a metal pie pan. <laughs> it, it can, it can hurt your, your, uh, your, the person taking the pie. Uh, if you're going to do anything, use a paper plate. Okay. Uh, but I had created uh, these cartoon looking pie shells out of foam rubber. And so they were soft like a pillow and, uh, and they look cartoony like clowns do. And you would fill them with the shaving cream and, and do pie fights. And I mean, they were all the buzz. And, um, and I became known for those. And um, so one of the things that, um, that Leon had also said to me was, listen, Potts, I also want you to bring your pie shells and I want you to sell them at my camp. And if you ever go to my, my Facebook page, uh, there's a video of Leon uh, at Advanced Studies and me and demonstrating my pie shell and him talking about how they were the best things ever invented and, uh, and that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> so I go to this camp and I'm, Leon, uh, Bubba Sykes was right. It was the springboard of my career. I learned about myself. Uh, I learned about the art form. I learned skills. Uh, I mean, it was just amazing. And it ran in three years. Uh, there were, and each year built on the previous year. Now, not everybody went all three years, but I did. I went all three years. I was going to get as much as I could out of all of this, you know. And uh, when I was done, um, I went from I went from looking like this. This was my uh, my current my current clown look at the time. Okay, classic 1980s 90s uh, circus clown. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what I looked like, and I ended up <clears throat> changing, getting rid of my wig, changing my makeup, and through advanced studies, uh, try to get the glare off of that. Mm -hmm. There we go. Uh, I became uh, this character. It was still Bungles the Clown, but it was I had found myself. I had found who I was, and 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 what I would look like, and. And um, that kind of stuff. It was the real Bungles the Clown. What's that? It was the real Bungles the Clown. Yes, the real Bungles the Clown, for sure. And so, yeah. Uh, so, uh, advanced studies uh, was one of the best things ever. Nice. Um, so, uh, I went back home. Um, I grew my business. Um, I, I helped my kids to adjust uh, their performance styles from what I learned. Um, and then I started... Uh, teaching um, in the schools uh, something different called, I called it a comedy clown clinic. And I would take the art form in, everything that I was learning, and I, it was a self-esteem building program. And this was before latchkey programs were popular. Um, it was an after-school program for two weeks, and you would learn the whole art form of clowning a couple hours after school, and there would be a show at the end of the second week, and you would perform in it. And um, I, I talked about the art form and, and, and uh, really brought some kids out of their shells. And uh, even to this day, um, I know of, of kids who went into theater and they'll put that they had attended the Comedy Clown Clinic on their resumes. Uh, and, and they were doing that as, as um, grade school kids, you know, third, fourth and fifth grade. <clears throat> So um, I, I, I really have now amplified my teaching part of my clowning. 
And uh, so in 2010, um, my house burnt down. And uh, so um, uh, my house burned down and we had to relocate while they were rebuilding the house. And uh, during my relocation, um, you know, I start reconnecting with, with friends and, 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 and colleagues from the industry. And um, we, the, the, um, <clears throat> the community had been very, very generous uh, with my family. They took up a collection because I was really well known in my community. Uh, all the stuff that I did in the schools, and and uh, not only did I I perform clown in the schools, I was so I was working full time in the steel mill, I was working full time as a clown, and then when I had spare time, I was subbing in the schools. So I was I was subbing, uh, and I'd be a playground monitor. I'd work in the library. I didn't really I didn't sub any of the teaching classes because I don't have a degree, um, but. But there was that interaction. So everybody in the community knew who I was, knew who my family was. My kids were going through the schools, you know, where I was performing and teaching. So house burns down and the community gathers and rallies around us. And uh, and it struck my heart in such a way that I wanted to give back to the community. And so I had you know all my colleagues uh, in the clown world calling me, what can we do? What can, you know, how can we help? You know, and, and they would send me, you know, I, I had uh, a set of professional clown shoes made by uh, Marty Scott, who made the clown shoes for the clowns on Ringling Brothers. And she made me a set of clown shoes and sent them to me. And, and when I talked to her on the phone, uh, she's like, my house burnt down twice. I understand what you're going through. And I want I want to make these for you, and I want you to have these. You know, I had uh, others who would send me, uh, you know, socks and 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 gloves and clothing and and makeup and and you know just anything that I needed to get back on my feet. Um, and it was it was it was amazing. So one of my friends calls me up and he says, "Hey, man, what can I do?" And I'm like, <clears throat> "Well, do you still have your circus?" And uh, this was uh, Joey Thurman, and he had a uh, what was called No Joe's Clown Circus. And he had a great big semi and he'd pull in and, you know, and set up his big uh, ring and he would do all these performances. He had, you know, uh, clown performances. He had, um, um, he had um, uh, aerial acts. He had, you know, just also all this, it was a miniature circus. And uh, I said, well, hey, do you, would you be willing to bring your circus up? I, I would really like to do something for the community. He goes, yeah, we actually have a week off. You know, I'll drive the circus up and we'll perform for the community. So, and I gathered a few friends and the house that they had given us during, during our, our, um, our, our time out of our, our other residence um, was a three-story house. So I had plenty of rooms. So I had all these clown friends coming in, staying for the week um, and we put together this big circus and performed for the community. Um, I was this close to getting elephants and I couldn't get the elephants for the circus, but we had everything else. And, uh, <clears throat> um, in the meantime, one of the people that came to help was my friend from clown town, what the, the owner of clown town. Um, now clown town had finally run its course. And uh, wasn't wasn't running anymore, and 
you know, my friend had run it for 25 years. I, I mean, that was part of his life. And uh, so <clears throat> while we were sitting at the house, you know, getting ready for the circus, him and I started discussing, what if we started another education opportunity for clowns? So this is when the whole idea for the American Clown Academy started generating. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, I could just see it. Like the idea is starting to pop in your head. Like one, two, three, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, and, and, and the idea of, of Joey's, you know, portable circus came in, you know, and I'm just, I'm, we're looking at all these little aspects of, of performing and teaching and teaching performing, you know? And so um, my buddy and I are, are like, well, if we were going to do this, what would it look like? Well, there really were no, you would go to these clown conventions and it would take you on this journey, but it would only keep you at one level. There was nothing advanced, you know, to take you to the next level that was out there, you know, except for advanced studies. Or if you, if you got into uh, on the Ringling Circus and you went to Ringling Clown College, there was nothing advanced that was out there being taught. And we said, well, if we're going to do this, we should make it an advanced clown school. And when Clowntown ran, they actually ran in Newark, Ohio, on the, the Ohio State campus that was in New York, uh, that was in Newark. Uh, so when Clowntown <clears throat> was running, you were in, you, you lived in the dorms, you, <clears throat> you used the classrooms and the auditoriums. And you had the big uh, dining area hall. I mean, you were in the college and you were learning <clears throat> in that setting, school setting. And I really felt that in that school setting, because most of the conventions other than that one are held in hotels. And so that atmosphere of hotel is way different than the atmosphere of an educational institution like a college. Well, I had also gone to advanced studies, and that was at a camp. And, uh, and so we knew we couldn't get uh, a college, but what if we could get a camp? And so we put it together, and, uh, and we found a camp that would host us. Um, and uh, I, like I said, I had made all these connections in the clown world, so I started calling in favors. And, uh, and everybody's like, this sounds like a great idea. We think it's needed. And um, it just it grew from there. So that's how the American Clown Academy came about. Uh, my, my love for education, my love for uh, the art form of clowning. And we taught performing. Um, people would come, uh, bring what you know, and show us what you got. And we'll help you figure it out. And also, while you were there, you would get to see the instructors perform. So that you knew that uh, they practiced what they preached you know, type of thing. And it was just, it was an amazing thing. And we ran that for six years. And then uh, I passed the baton on uh, to a friend of mine, Lee Andrews, um, who has even more connections than I do in the clown world. <laughs> and uh, and I thought that, uh, well, both Mike and I thought, uh, that was my friend who, my partner in the American Clown Academy, both, uh, both of us thought that, um, that Lee would be the perfect uh, person to take over uh, the American Clown Academy, and of course now we have the American Clown Academy 2.0, um, which was which was a, a rebooted, upgraded 
uh, Clown Academy, and now it's uh, it performs in, or I mean, uh, is presented in Georgia. And so, yeah, so that's how the American Clown Academy, the American Clown Academy put me on the map um, as an educator now. I mean, a solid educator. And um, I, uh, I took a position with the World Clown Association as their education director. Um, I, um, this is kind of an interesting story. And uh, I, I uh, while as the education director, I, I wrote some articles uh, for their magazine. Um, I was also in charge of their annual convention and the education part of that convention. And while already having the background of running the American Clown Academy, I had some ideas that I had seen work that other people hadn't incorporated into conventions. And uh, so I was able to incorporate some of that stuff. And we had one of the most unique conventions in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, and it was a tribute to Ringling Brothers. And I had, I had, I'm thinking 20 uh, Ringling Clowns at this convention, uh, teaching, presenting, just hanging around to talk to. Uh, as we celebrated the Ringling Brothers Clowns, uh, we had gotten Ron Severini, who was the dean of Ringling Clown College um, while it ran. Um, we had all these, all these names of, of people. And, uh, and I, <laughs> the way I got some of these people, at the exact same time we're doing our thing, uh, Baraboo, Wisconsin, was doing a homecoming for Ringling Brothers. Now let's stop there with the Ringling Brothers thing, um, and let's let's backtrack. Um, Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey Circus uh, has been around for a long time. Um, first it was Barnum, uh, then Barnum uh, hooked up with Bailey and became Barnum and Bailey, uh, and then the Ringling Brothers. Uh, you know, took over the circus and it became Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. And then they ran with it. Well, eventually they got to a point where the circus clowns in the circus uh, had gotten very old and there were no, there were no next generation clowns coming in. Um, the, 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 uh, the descendants of, of these clowns, they would, they would either go and get a factory job or they would go um, be a, um, a different act in the circus, like an aerial act or, or something like that, or work with the animals. Uh, so, but nobody was carrying on the career of clown and it was realized. Um, and so in 1968, Ringling Brothers decided to invest uh, in a clown school uh, to, pro to, to create another generation of, of performing clowns. And so in 1968, that happened. Uh, 1969, uh, they ran it again. Um, but back then, man, the life on the circus was hard and people were quitting left and right. And the idea of this clown college wasn't created as a long-term thing. It was a, it was a one and done was what it was supposed to be. And by the second, third year, there's the realization that, oh, we need to keep this thing going because people aren't going to stay on, on, the, on the road, you know, because the life is so hard. And so Ringling Brothers uh, created this clown college, and it became the place to go to learn the art form of clowning. And it became so well known that other industries like Walt Disney World, Hollywood, if, if you had on your resume that you attended Ringling Clown College, whether you got a, a contract with the circus or not, <clears throat> they knew 
what what had been instilled with you in in you and what kind of things you had learned and some of the greatest uh uh makeup artists and stuntmen and and uh, and people in the in the entertainment business um have gone to Ringling Clown College and taken that um uh from there so it was always an aspiring thing for clowns to get into Ringling Clown College i even auditioned for Ringling Clown College and was accepted uh, but I turned it down because I was starting my family and I didn't want to be on the road. Um, so with that said, uh, eventually they shut down Ringling Clown College um, and then they started training clowns on the road. So it was Ringling Clown College on the road, but they didn't actually have a facility where they would go and, and train people. So uh, then eventually Ringling Brothers Circus closed. Nobody ever thought they would see that day. I believe it was 2017 um, mm -hmm. when the, the circus closed and people were devastated. They thought they were going to be on the circus forever. Uh, the people that ran the trains, you know, the dancing girls, uh, the people that ran concessions, you know, everybody, you know, from all, you know, the lawyers and the, and the, the managers and I mean, just everybody, the, the orchestra, they all lost their jobs and it was, it was devastating. Um, it was unexpected. And so uh, Baraboo, Wisconsin is the home of the Ringling Brothers. They, they all lived and were from uh, Baraboo, Wisconsin. And so Baraboo is also the home of Circus World Museum and uh, the International Clown Hall of Fame. Yes, there is an International Clown Hall of Fame, just like we have a Football Hall of Fame, a Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, we have an International Clown Hall of Fame. And uh, so we honor those who have... Uh, been clowns and performed uh, the art of clowning uh, through the ages. Uh, and you'll find clowns that don't wear makeup, like the Three Stooges or um, uh, or like Lucille Ball. Many of you know who I love Lucy is. She was considered a clown in, in the way she uh, portrayed uh, her characters and herself. Just, you know, and uh, so um, you have people like that that have been inducted into the International Clown Hall of Fame. So anyhow, I'm in Baraboo. At the same time that they're uh, having this homecoming for Ringling, at the same time we're putting together this clown convention honoring Ringling. <laughs> so I was able to make connections with some Ringling clowns while in Baraboo. But the really weird thing was how many of them knew who I was because of the American Clown Academy. And uh, and so yeah, so my reputation had literally preceded me. And uh, I had a, a sense of respect in the world of education um, uh, regarding the art form of clowning. And so, yeah, so, um, so yeah, I've, I've taken education. Education is my thing. We are currently, uh, we're using the uh, uh, StreamYard uh, program like you are uh, today. And we are interviewing clowns uh, during this pandemic. Um, and, um, Entertainers, because, you know, I mean, during the pandemic, they, they shut down Las Vegas, they shut down Broadway, they shut down anything that have to do with performing. I mean, even Disney was shut down, you know. Um, so all those performing uh, opportunities, um, these people were devastated and, you know, not sure how they were going to, you know, pay their bills and, and their, their state of mind was, was, was not proper um, during this. So, um, my, my friend Blake and I, uh, we decided, Hey, let's, um, 
let's start interviewing some people, you know, and, 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 you know, just getting the buzz back out there and find out where people came from and then just start encouraging people. And so we've been running the uh, Blake and Bungle show uh, for a month now. We're still running here the month of, uh, of June and uh, doing the exact same thing that you're doing now here with me. Um, hey, where did you start? How did you become this? Uh, but yet we're doing it for um, performers uh, and, and other variety arts entertainers. Absolutely. That's what Buddy Cast is all about. Everyone's got a story. Everyone has something about them, no matter who they are. So um, you what I loved about that story was you went from past to present to what you're starting to see with the future. You know, like you talked about how this was created and then where it's at today and then where you slightly see it going. So let's talk a little bit about the future. All what right. If the future. Were, what if someone were to think of becoming a clown, you know? Like today, what if there's someone watching right now that's like had it on their mind, but never really truly pursued it? What advice would you give them? Yeah. So this is a really tough call here. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you why. So um, the way human beings are built, we don't like change. Nobody likes change, but change is inevitable. It happens. And I mean, the pandemic has, has proved that to us you know, right off the bat, you know, mm -hmm. you've got to change the way you're doing everything, social distancing, wearing masks in public, um, you know, working from home, you know, I mean, just all these changes, you know, school from home, you know, no, and nobody, it was hard for people to make these changes. Well, the art form of clown, I do believe is the same way. We've got to make a change. Um, there are a lot of people that are still clowning the same way um, that they clowned in the 80s and the 90s. Well, this is the uh, the, the 2000s, you know. We're in 2010, 20, 2020. Good Lord, 2020, you know, not 1990, you know. And, <laughs> and so um, things have to change. And so you need to, to adapt and, and make some changes. And... Um, so if, if, if you're deciding you want to be a clown, I would most definitely say study, study, study uh, the, um, the great uh, performers of the past. Know where we came from. I mean, that's number one. You got to know where you came from. OK, um, learn about yourself. You know, uh, don't be afraid to to uh, to let yourself go, to let yourself be made fun of. To, to to look at life situations and assess them and say, why is that funny? Let me give you one, one piece of, uh, of, of comedy um, recognized advice. Um, understanding comedy is, is this. Something is funny because it's relatable. That's why it's funny. <clears throat> so if you see a stand-up comedian uh, performing, and you're a stand-up comedian, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. So you have to know your audience, okay? If you're performing a stand-up routine um, and nobody knows what you're talking about, it's not cricket, relatable. Cricket, 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 right, exactly. It's it's not funny for them. But if you're performing with people that know absolutely what you're talking about, okay, you're going to get the laughs. You're going to evoke the emotion. 
All right. So comedy has to be relatable. And nowadays, relatability is different than it was uh, in the old days. <clears throat> great, great example. In the clown world, we had this skit. Okay, we'll call it a skit for for the regular people out there. In the circus, we would call it a gag. Uh, you could call it a routine. Um, there's various names for it. But the 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 skit involved um, a long rubber tube. Okay, and um, it was uh, the long rubber tube was a long distance telephone. <clears throat> now, um, some of you may or may not know out there. Um, we used to have what we call landlines. Okay, our phone was connected to the wall. It was connected by a plug. Okay, <laughs> and there there was nothing portable about it. You know, and even farther back in the day, to make long distance calls, you had to dial the operator sometimes to make a call. You would have to uh, pay um, extra for a long distance call. So anyhow, this routine was built on on yesterday. Okay, the yesteryear of of phones. When you perform that, and I see clowns do that today, they'll perform that that same routine that they've been performing forever, and they perform it nowadays. People don't understand it because people are starting to something like this. Right, we have cell phones. We uh, we have instant you know communications. We have we have you know. FaceTime, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like it was. So, so that, that routine is outdated. Okay. And so what we need to do is we need to update those routines. Okay. Make something new and fresh, but you got to find something that's relatable and you have to watch and see what's funny. And, uh, and, and so if you're, if you're interested in the art form of clowning, first study the past. That's important. And I'm all about pre preserving the past. Um, I have a, a miniature museum in my house. I've, if you go back to my um, um, <clears throat> broadcasts uh, on my, my page, Jeffrey Potts, um, you'll, you'll see the people that we're interviewing from the past uh, and the future, but, but from the past and, and trying to understand the way things worked so that we can um, progress to the future. Now, the nice thing about the art form of clowning is it's, it's not a popular um, statement, but be unique. You don't have to be uh, a, a cookie cutter clown. In the 80s and 90s, everybody was very cookie cutter because all you did was you just copied, you know, what the, what the, the previous guy had taught you. Now is the time to be unique. So that means you get to make the rules, okay? Now, some rules, okay, um, you, but here's where, where you have to go back. You have to go back and look at why people did what they did in the past. I'll give you a great, great example, okay? So when you're doing makeup, okay, you, you don't want to put... Um, Too much um, extra pizzazz or something like that. Right. Um, back in the old days, we would have a big mouth and big eyes and stuff. Okay. Well, we were learning from circus clowns who would come off the circus. Okay. And that's how they had to put their makeup on so that people, you know, uh, clear up in the, in the third row of the Coliseum could see the expression on their face. 
Well, nowadays, we don't need to do that, okay? We can have smaller detail. We don't need the bright colors to, to, to grab the lighting, you know, to see the, uh, to see the expressions. So you can keep your clown makeup to a minimum. Yeah, you still want to exaggerate some of the features uh, of your face, okay? Uh, colors. You don't have to use colors like we used to. And some people will use colors. Um, um, they'll use, they'll use uh, red on their eyes. Well, now we have um, a very popular genre of clown called a horror clown, okay? Um, some people call them killer clowns. And uh, but they're they're in the in the haunted house industry, you know. Um, they're um, prevalent in 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 those fall months, you know, when when it's uh, it's the spooky time of year, okay. and um, and so they'll they'll create these clowns. Well, their makeup um, configurations are different, you know. They're set up to to kind of scare you, spooky, you. Kind of like that in 2016. What's that? Kind of like the scare in 2016. Yes, yes. And so um, you want to make sure that your makeup uh, is not reflecting that, unless that's the side of the business that you're going into. You know, mm -hmm. then, yeah, by all means, that's, that's where you want to go. But, so, but if you're wanting to perform for families or do birthday parties or, or the such, <clears throat> you really don't want to put, you know, red on your eyes and then red on your mouth. You know I mean, because now it looks like blood, you know, <laughs> and uh, you're, you're presenting the wrong thing. So, <clears throat> but... All these things come about from, you know, studying and knowing. So knowledge is key uh, to, to being, uh, to, to entertaining. It's not like it was when I started. There's information out there. Do your research. You can get on Google and Bing and, and all those other, uh, you know, um, search engines and, and find stuff and, and put stuff together. Uh, you can watch performances on YouTube and, and Vimeo. And, and I mean, man, so much out there. Um, but you have to be willing to do the work. You have to be willing. It's not. It's not just a. You know uh, what you think it is. You know, back in my day, you know, we didn't have the information. So, okay, here it is. There was no real work to be done. Now there is work to be done. You know, because we have the information, there's an accountability to to doing it right. You know, so if you're if you're wanting to become a clown here in the future. Um, start looking at the new acts, like from Cirque du Soleil, uh, from <clears throat> uh, from Europe. You know, <clears throat> we never really understood the European clowns uh, back in my early days of performing. You know, and so when we would have a European clown come to America and and he might lecture or or do something, we'd look and be like, man, that's so different. You know, but there's a there's an understanding of cultures. You know, different cultures have. Uh, different ways that they portray their their clowns okay so um but but we have access to seeing what all that stuff is so use those tools to study and uh, and uh, and that will get you started also too um there are still some organizations um you know the world clown association clowns of america international um but again most of those people are an older generation and they're kind of still following you know an older form of 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 the art form of clowning i would i would challenge you to be unique and to study uh what's current and what's funny to people nowadays you know and and that's the other thing you're going to run into I'll, I'll i'll be blunt and, and honest now we have a whole world of political correctness 
which really interferes with comedy. Um, nobody is willing to um, let themselves be laughed at, you know, and uh, so it, it gets really tough um, to try to find the things that are funny. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, and I, I, I personally do not like uh, performers who make fun of, of their audience members. I think as a, as a true clown slash comedian performer, you should always be making fun of yourself. Okay. And, um, and that, that breaks down that barrier. You don't offend anybody uh, that gives people, you know, the opportunity to sit and relax and, and listen, honestly, um, making fun of yourself is actually fun, you know, because it, it, it opens up the door to who you really are to other people. You know, it lets them see, you know, who and what you are, you know, and and believe it or not, you actually get the realization that you're a normal person. You know, with just some funny attributes, you know, and we all have funny attributes, uh, you know, and, and so, yeah. Uh, so that's the best advice I could give right now for the future performers. Absolutely. Um, what's. One th what are some things that you wish people truly understood about clowning? You kind of like mentioned some topics on how, you know, like there's the difference between the scary clown who is at the haunted house compared to like the birthday clown. You know, people saw it in 2016 when, you know, all this stuff was going on and yet people were commenting on like the clown, like a clown hall's page saying, clowns are scary. I'm never going near you. And you guys are like within two minutes of me. What's something you wish people truly understood about the art form today? Well, <clears throat> there's, there's, I, I think this is a, a twofold question. First mm -hmm. of all, you have to understand as the performer. Okay. So now I'm not talking about what my audience understands. I, this is what I wish my, my performers would understand that if you don't want to be categorized with the scary clowns, you need to be a better performer because they're going to look at you as a performer not just a face, okay? So that's number one. So then what I would say to my audience is, hey, I'm a performer. <laughs> I'm not just a face, okay? And I would make sure that I am performing for my audience. So it's not the audience's responsibility, okay, to, to know that I'm not a scary clown. It's my responsibility to present myself in a way that they know I'm not the scary clown. And, and so by studying and perfecting my craft, uh, you know, whether it be toning my makeup down, whether it be, you know, putting more normal clothes on instead of the exaggerated colors and, and sizes, um, whether it be talking in a normal voice instead of a voice like this, uh, you know, that might freak them out. You know, you, you, it's my job. It's not my audience's job to understand. It's my job to, to present to them. Then they'll understand if I'm presenting properly. Absolutely. So really, really, yeah, really. So I, it's not, there's nothing that I wish my audience would understand. Now, I, I wish my other performer friends would understand. Most definitely. All right, Haiti, I'm going to wrap it up with this question. Okay. Um, what would you... You, you you mentioned it a little bit before, but what would you really like to 
see clowning become in the future? Like, let's say once this pandemic, because we know with this pandemic, it's going to, a lot of things are going to change. What would you like to see change in clowning for the Uh, the better? Um, To make things better, change to make things better. Yeah. So, Like if you woke up tomorrow and everything that you visioned as a clown was coming true, what would you be seeing? I would be seeing more people in the world uh, that are not weighted down with everyday life. Because there would be so many clowns and, and opportunities to to reflect on the pleasantries of life through the clown um, that there would be no worry. Um, I mean, I mean, it's the ultimate peace on earth thing, you know, Ah, I wish there was peace on earth, peace on earth. You know, that's, that's what every, everybody, you know, wishes. Uh, It's it's the same concept. Um, But, but, but it's more than peace. It's, it's, it's joy. And, um, and, and so I, I would desire to see um, the whole world uh, come to, to love each other, um, respect each other, and enjoy each other. That's right. I actually have one more question. Yep. All right. One more question. One more question. Yep. So as a clown? What is your favorite act or like prop? What's your favorite thing? What's something that always works for you? Okay, always works for me. You ready? Mm-hmm. This and and I have a lot of clown friends that 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 dislike this. Okay, I don't use props. Yeah, and listen, listen, wait a minute. Did you hear me earlier? I said I'm a prop builder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't use props. I mean, I use props for my show, but my so- best best performance piece is when I'm in the moment with my audience and I am just me and just them. And uh, it may be sitting down. It may be talking. It may be laughing. It may be having fun with an opportunity. You know, I may be trying to juggle and I, you know, I'm not doing it very well, you know, in my reactions. Uh, But it, it, but it's, that's not, it's not the, the prop. It's, it's, your, their experience of, of me. And so I, I literally say, what, when somebody says, what do you do as a clown? I do nothing. No, no, no. I mean, what do you, what do you do? Do you juggle magic? Oh yeah, yeah, I do all that, but I don't do anything. You know, and people don't understand that. My job is to help my audience uh, experience life. And the only way to do that is to bring real life, myself, into the picture. Yeah, I'll exaggerate it, um, and we'll do some funny and silly things. We'll do some amazing things that make it go wow, you know. Uh, but um, those those things are not my favorite. My favorite is literally uh, pre-show. Uh, everybody's waiting for the performer to come on, and I come down and I sit in the chair, the empty chair beside the group, and it's like, hey, I heard there's a clown performing today. This is gonna be great. Have you ever seen him perform? And you know, and they're all like laughing, and and it's like. Well, isn't that you? It's like me? No, I'm sitting right here. You know, this was my reserved seat. You're 
you know, and, and, you know, just interacting, you know, and, and those are the things that I like to do. So that, that's my, my favorite uh, type of performance, my favorite act uh, to bring to my audience. You know what that reminded me of? Have you ever watched Charlie Chaplin where he does what's called the, I think it's called the interrupting clown or he starts out like he just abruptly walks on stage while someone's introducing him or something. And he's acting like he, he's, he's basically acting like he's drunk or something like that. Right. Going around and the guy's like, sir, what are you doing up here? Like what's going on? And he's just stumbling around. And then finally, like he does one final flop and the guy goes, Charlie Chaplin on the interrupting clown. Right. It takes about that's what that reminded me of like kind of like that like or we've seen we've all seen that performance like we've seen a performance where all of a sudden the performer jumps out of the crowd and onto the stage like no one's realizing that that's him or something that's like him. That. right exactly so that was a great piece but i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap this up this is my friend jeffrey potts thank you so much for today it would hey excellent. thanks for having me on nick this has yeah. been great Absolutely. I've learned so much from you from just the history of clowning to what you envision today. It's beautiful. And I wish you the best of luck. I hope you guys talk to as many clowns as possible on your show and just rebuild the spirit, you know, just yeah. rebuild everyone's spirit during this pandemic. Cause we see this whole, you know, this pandemic, let's face it. It's bringing out the worst in people. Rough. Yep. Yeah. People rough. just want to be free and go back to what they thought was normal before. So yeah. I think it's but, you know look at look at look at the chance that you had to be with your family exactly look at the chance that you had to to sit down and 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 do things take a break from from the rat race of the world you mm -hmm. know nobody knew how to handle the break because nobody had ever taken a break before mm -hmm. and I know a lot of people that are like man I don't even want to go back to the workplace I want to I want to keep working at home you know exactly. I I don't want to leave my family I've had too much fun with my family for the last two months exactly. You know? Yeah, the realization of, of what life really is, and so hopefully, uh, as a clown, I can uh, I can present that, and my fellow entertainers can present, you know, uh, some ideas of, of life that'll that'll make you happy. And now, uh, by the way, if, if any of your viewers ever ever really want to talk more, they are welcome to message me. Uh, so I just absolutely. wanted to throw that out there. Absolutely, and I encourage them to do so because I've talked with you in the past, and you have some great insights. You have some great info. Just watching your videos even too. Just watching like, even if it's that quick promo of, hey, here's this prop. Here's how you use it. Splat in your face or something like that, you know? Just something like that. It's, you know, a quick 30-second video could be education to someone. So, yeah. But again, this is my friend Jeffrey Potts, uh, formerly known or most known as Bungles the Clown. So thank you so much for joining us today. I hope our viewers learned a lot from you. And thank you again so much. Thank you, Nick, for having me. Absolutely. Anytime, buddy. All righty. We'll see you next time. All right. You take care now.